This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends. Well, today we'll pick up where we left off in my last talk. This is part two of my discussion about love and unity and how important those two things are for followers of Jesus. In my previous talk, I said that churches are destroyed from the inside. I should probably temper that statement or at least revisit it. First of all, I want to be clear what I mean by church. Our church in Austin, Texas, years ago, had a Latin teacher who was a member of the congregation, so we decided to come up with a Latin motto for our church, and we came up with Est Populus Non Idificium, and that's Latin for its people, not buildings. So when I talk about the church, I mean the people. There is the church universal, every person who is a believer, is a member of that church, the universal church. And there are local congregations. And when I was talking about churches being destroyed from the inside, I was talking about a local gathering of believers, not a building. Certainly there are extreme times when churches are disbanded from the outside, but the believers continue in spiritual unity, even if they are imprisoned and separated from one another. Generally, I hold... Churches are destroyed by disunity. I have witnessed more than one church split, and usually they occur when the leadership team does not have agreement, and then this affects the congregation. So very often churches are destroyed from the inside by divisions. It's like a building that is crumbling and falling apart. Attacks from the outside will strengthen the core of the church. Divisions on the inside will weaken it and break it. Another thing that I'd like to point out relates to my saying that we need to make every effort for the unity of the Spirit. By the Scriptures, we see that it's really not our power. We have a will, we can choose to do it, but God promises to help us. So it's not really our power or our ability to fight for unity. It's His power at work in us. And I have a couple of Scriptures here to talk about that. In Ezekiel chapter 36 we see a statement of the coming new covenant, and it in, starts in verse 26. And the Lord says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. At verse 27, that last one is what I want to point out. When God puts his spirit in his people through the new covenant, he moves within us to follow his decrees and be careful to keep his teachings. It's his spirit in us, and this is the new covenant instituted by Jesus upon his death. We are not alone. God promises to help us do his will, and this is why the new covenant is truly new, because there was nothing like that before the indwelling Spirit of God, moving within his people to be the people that he wants them to be. Also in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, 
Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God who is at work in us. Even as we work out our salvation, it really is him who is working in us, both to want to do it and to actually do it. That's why we must abide in that vine. And in future talks, I'll talk more about covenants and the differences between the Mosaic Law, the Old Covenant, and the New Covenant. But for now, I just want to make the point that as I encourage you and myself to make every effort for unity, we really have to abide in him and let his spirit, his energy, his life flow through us to do what he wants us to do. I also mentioned that unity is often more important than clarity, and I'd like to say a little more about that. As we walk with Jesus, he does not always reveal the end of the road from the beginning. He rarely does, for that matter. So we are always moving and coming to these crossroads, these times of choosing. We're on a path with him as we walk through life. And we can always have unity with the people around us, with the body of Christ that's near us. We can always have unity, even if we don't have clarity. And there's a real concern that I have, and I've experienced it, where when a group of believers gather together and they're trying to discern the will of God and they don't have clarity, then they think they don't have unity. But that's not true. God may bring them to a point where together they wait upon him to reveal his will. And then we have unity, even if we don't have clarity. So I encourage you to remember that. Don't despair if you don't have clarity about what's coming next. Just abide in Christ and fight for unity. Now I'd like to share an example of how this is at work in my life. Uh, Many of you know that I am currently the executive director of Stoneworks International. That's an international mission organization with projects all around Eastern Europe. Many years ago, we started Stoneworks. And we started it because, honestly, we had made some poor choices in leadership We had started an organization, a charity to support the work in Russia, and we threw together a leadership team based upon what seemed like good ideas but turned out not to be so good. For instance, we thought that we surely needed to have a lawyer on our leadership team because you ought to have a lawyer on your leadership team. We thought that that would be necessary, but it turned out that the man who uh, joined us really didn't trust us. He had the assumption that others were perhaps misrepresenting things or or working in a way that he didn't agree with. And so we had a break in the leadership, and that, that little mission organization lasted about a year, I think. Then we did what we should have done at the first step. We started praying and saying, God, how do you want us to form this organization? And then the Lord brought us to 1 Peter 2, 5, and that says that God sets us together as living stones. And we began to pray about that. What does that mean? How does that apply? And that's why we're called stoneworks, because God sets us together as living stones, building us up into a spiritual household. Well, I and two other men started stoneworks, and we agreed that we would fight hard for spiritual unity because God is setting us together as living stones. And we agreed that we would work in mutual submission. If you remember in episode 5, A lesson that was learned at that time was that we should live lives of discernment, not negotiation. So listen to episode five if you want to hear more about that. 
We agreed that we would make a commitment to 100% unity in all decisions. And that means ever since about 2003, every single decision by the board of directors has been unanimous. If we ever think that there might be a concern or if, as we discuss an issue, we find that we don't have agreement, we don't even vote for it. We wait until we're sure that we have unanimity, 100% unanimity. Now, our leadership is from a variety of Christian traditions. I dare say we don't have a unity of doctrine in some ways, but we do have spiritual unity and we have mutual submission. Now, this is where we come to a discussion about what strength is, how there is strength in unity, because I, as the executive director, know that when we are united and I'm in full agreement, then I can focus on the tasks at hand rather than worrying if I'm offending or being disobedient. There's a lot of strength in it. Everyone in the organization knows that we're standing on a solid foundation. We all know that we can discern the will of God by all these different voices when we gather together to meet. And we've had growth, of course, but even that is not the goal. The goal is unity, which brings me to the next thing that I want to talk about. Let's look at Psalm 133. This psalm has been very, very meaningful to me over the years, and I just want to talk through some of the things that I've learned from Psalm 133. And if you ever want to memorize an entire psalm, this is a good one to start with. It's just a few verses, but it is rich in meaning. So let me read Psalm 133 and then talk through it a little bit. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. That's a great psalm. I really, really love it. Just look at a few images here. In verse 1 we see, David, say how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Then he gives a couple of images of what that is like, this unity among brethren. The first is the oil of anointing. And you'll remember that the anointing of God is a way that he prepares priests for service. As a matter of fact, the word Messiah and Christ mean the anointed one. This is a sign of God giving his blessings and his power upon his people to do his work. And this image in verse 2 of the oil being poured on the head, it's just not a little bit that you dip your finger in and make a little cross on your forehead or something. It's like precious oil that's poured on the head and it runs down over the head, down onto the beard and even down onto the collar of the priest's robes. It is overflowing and lavish anointing. That's what it is like when brothers dwell together in unity. The next image is pretty interesting. It says, living in unity is as if the dew of Hermon, Mount Hermon, were falling on Mount Zion. Well, I didn't really understand this until somebody shared with me that Mount Hermon is very large. It's a very, very large mountain. And Mount Zion is really some hills, smaller, much smaller than Hermon. So you can imagine all of the dew that was on Mount Hermon being placed on Mount Zion. It's this overflowing refreshment of the morning dew. That's what unity is like. 
It's this overflowing provision that God makes. It's refreshing and clean and pure, and it's lavish. Again, it's lavish. So these two images show us that when we dwell together in unity, there's this lavish blessing and refreshment that comes. When we make every effort to live in unity, then verse 3 comes into play. And that's the very end of that verse says, for there God bestows or commands his blessing. We don't have to seek God's blessing or even ask for it if we're living together in unity. He commands a blessing. And this has been something that I stand on uh, quite often. And over the years, I've come back to this many, many times. I want the work that I do to be blessed. I want myself to be a blessing to other people. I want God's blessings to overflow me into the lives of my family and others. And when I fight for unity and when we live in unity, then God commands his blessing. He commands it. We don't have to ask for it. Or we don't need to question if it's coming. God commands a blessing. And this is the value and necessity for the fight for unity. God commands his blessing when we live together in unity. So that's why I often focus on unity rather than results. The results are fruit. The results are something that God brings. But the unity is something that I can fight for as much as I'm able to be at peace with everyone. I'd give a little example here. Um, I have some friends in Serbia. It's a little church that was starting up, and they were setting their foundations, and I talked about these things with the leaders of the church. And they questioned if it were possible to live in unity for a leadership team to really be in agreement. They had never experienced that. And they started their church and committed themselves to complete unity, 100% agreement among the elders. And they had so much joy and strength in that mutual submission. And every time I go back there, they've been a church for years now, they continue in unity with a full commitment to spiritual unity, to encouraging one another in the faith and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So it is possible, but we've got to fight for it. It doesn't come naturally. I will say one thing here that's going to come up later in other talks. The question that's deep underneath all of this is how do we know the will of God? How do we understand where the Lord sets us in his body? If we're going to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, how do we know that he has set us in his place? How do we discern if he has set us among certain living stones? I'll talk about that later. That is a very holy question. How to know the will of God. We shouldn't be guessing at these things. We really have to abide in him and follow his directions and know that we are where he wants us. I'll talk about that later, but that is perhaps the question that's under many of the topics that we talk about when we're in church or encouraging one another in the faith. How do you know the will of God? I'll finish up with a couple of scriptures. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect 
unity. Well, there's love and unity in one sentence. Love binds us together in perfect unity. We need to put on that love. Love and unity go hand in hand. This helps me with the image of living stones, that I'm a stone and someone next to me may be a living stone. But what is the mortar? What binds us together to become strong and unified in him? And that is love. That is love for one another, love for God, that we put on that love and it binds us together, us living stones. Remember the prayer that Jesus prayed for you and for me in John chapter 17. As he's praying, the disciples are listening and he's praying for his disciples. And then he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one father just as you are in me and I am in you. That is the prayer of Jesus for us, and that is coming to pass. His prayers are answered, of course. He prays, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. In 1 John chapter 4, we read, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, We also ought to love one another. Those are the words of John. It's beautiful. John learned many, many good lessons in his life as he walked with the Lord. Galatians chapter 5 says, The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And remember, this love is what binds us together in unity. As I mentioned, later I'm going to talk about love and evangelism. Right now I'm talking about love among the body of Christ. Love among believers. So anyone who's listening to my voice now, I really strongly encourage you, make every effort to build the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace and put on love which binds us all together. Well, I think that's about all I have to say right now on this. I'm sure these themes will come up again later in future talks. But until next time, I pray that the Lord will continue to reveal his will and his ways to you. His ways are good, and his pathways bring peace to the soul. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all. Mm -hmm.